Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Last week we saw that um, Joseph had uh, placed his family in the very best of the land of Egypt. If you were here, you know that. If you weren't, that's what he did. He placed them in this land called Goshen. And uh, again, it was, uh, well, it was a, a, a very plenteous, a plenteous uh, land and uh, fruitful. And it was there in that place that God nourished his people and protected and provided for them. Again, just a reminder, it was God's people in a foreign land. And in this foreign land, uh, it was a, a desperate time. It was uh, desolate. There was famine. We'll see more about that this morning. Uh, but again, these were the people of God. He promised that he would bring them here, preserve them, and then bring them out. And what we're seeing is the very beginning of God's people uh, in this foreign land. But again, we found a life point that was very uh, clear in Scripture and very important for us today. That life point was this, that true rest and true provision come only from God. Again, we live in a world where we are working jobs you know, some 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, some people 100 hours a week. And it's hard not to think that our provision comes from our job. Uh, but all that takes is one moment that would change everything. And we would realize just how much we d- we've depended on God um, in, in providing our, our substance that we need. And so uh, the thing that we talked about that I want to remind us of, if you were here, was that we get so busy in our lives, there, there's so much stuff going on. Uh, Not only with our jobs, but activities and entertainment and just stuff to do. It seems like we're always running. We're always going here, always going there, always having obligations uh, to fulfill. And we talked about how our lives can be defined like that. Um, You know, I I shared that I I get convicted and sometimes people say, how are you doing? I say, I'm tired or I'm busy. Um, And I just don't know that our lives should be defined like that. Um, unless we're busy about God's work, because that, we'll talk about that too. That, that's the only worthy work uh, that we should be busy about. Again, we have jobs, we have things to take care of in this world. Uh, but we realize we're here just for a moment. We're not here forever. God has put us here for his eternal purpose and for his glory. And so we sometimes need to take a, a, an examination, a self-check, a life check, and say, what am I doing? What am I really living for? Who am I really living for? Because at the end of it all, if we're spending all of our time and wasting all of our energy on something that's just going to go away, then we wasted our time. We've wasted our lives away. And um, again, in this, we forget that life is about God, our relationship with him, and helping accomplish his uh, kingdom. And so, uh, again, it, it's, it's easy in our busy lives, in lives where you, you have to go and either clock in or show up and get that paycheck every week and then pay that bill and buy that food. I mean, that seems to be what life becomes about, but it's, it's hard to, to step out of that and say, listen, that's just for a moment. This is temporary food. This is temporary life. Um, I've, I've got a greater purpose in this life that God's put me on this earth for. And so uh, this morning, uh, we want to move forward and see what God has in store for us uh, today. So let's pray and we'll do that. Father, thank you again. Uh, for what we've already experienced today. It's been a a blessed day already, and uh, we pray that you continue to to work in this place. God, as we're gathered here in your name, we're we're gathered for your purpose, God. Uh, I know that um, today is uh, set aside for you, 
And we've done that. And again, there's, there's a lot of things that may be going on in uh, people's minds about what's going on this week or what, what went on last week or even what's happening today. And I, and I pray that we would be able to shut all that out just for uh, the next uh, several minutes. Lord, just be able to uh, worship you, uh, be able to uh, give you what you deserve, and uh, give you our full attention to your, your word. And uh, Lord, I pray your spirit would have full reign in this, Lord. Um, Lord, if there's somebody here that is lost and they've never, they've never come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, Lord, they've never surrendered their life and accepted that free gift that only you offer. I pray that today would be that day of salvation for them, uh, that they would uh, not try to put it off for another day uh, because we're not guaranteed another day, Lord, but today would be that day they turn to you and say, uh, save me, uh, I want eternal life. And uh, Lord, that you do that work in, in their life, do that work in this place and in our lives, and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name we ask it all, amen. Genesis 47, if you have your Bibles there, Follow along. If not, we have it on the screen. Verse 13, it says, And there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very sore, so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the corn which they bought, and Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. Now, so just a little quick snippet here. Um, you, you notice that there is no more food on the shelves. No, nothing, nothing left for people to eat. It's gone. Uh, the, the supplies are, are, are empty. And so they are uh, in a very, very, very desperate and desolate situation. Um, I, I, I don't know what that's like. I have never, um, I mean, there have been times I've been hungry. There's been times where I didn't know how we were going to pay the bills. There have been times I didn't know how we we're going to buy groceries. Uh, but I have never been at a time where I didn't think that at least I could go and ask for some food somewhere. Um, we, we went to Walmart uh, yesterday, and there was a section in the frozen food aisle that was empty. That's sometimes as desolate as we think life can get. Um, but that is not uh, what they were facing in our text. In our text, there was no food. They, they, there was none to find. Uh, it's just hard for me to, to, to rationalize that. I think about our missionaries. I think about some of the circumstances that they minister in where there are people that have the same exact thing. There's famine. They have no means of getting food. They have no help, no hope. They don't know what's gonna, uh, where their next meal is going to come from if they even have a next meal. Uh, but these people, again, were facing that. And Joseph was basically uh, administrating throughout this uh, dire circumstance. Uh, the food was gone, and so people turned to say, you know what, well, if we don't have any food that we can grow ourselves, we don't have any food on our shelves anymore, uh, then we'll go and buy it from Joseph, because remember, Joseph had stored that up for this time. So that's what they were doing. They were going, and they were buying money, uh, they are buying food in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan. Uh, they came in to buy corn from Joseph. Uh, and he took the money, the Bible says in verse 14, and put it into Pharaoh's house. Verse 15, and when the money failed, when the money ran out in the land of Egypt, in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence, for the money is gone. So again, no food, no money, it's, getting, it's going from bad to worse. The circumstance, the famine, uh, it's, it's getting really, really bad. And Joseph said, so here's the deal, you don't have no money, you don't have no food, it's all right, y'all have cattle. Y'all have horses, you have cows, you have donkeys. Let's do that. So he said, give your cattle and I'll give, you, give for your cattle 
if money fail, and if, uh, I'm sorry, and they brought their cattle unto Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for horses, and for the flocks, and for the cattle of the herds, and for the asses. And he fell, uh, and he fed them with the bread for all their cattle for that year. And again, this was just a temporary fix, right? Because it just says for that year, this is the way they operated. No food, no money, so they started selling their livestock. As soon as they sold all of their livestock, they were out. Now Joseph still had stuff in his reserves, but the people were becoming more and more emptied, more and more in debt to the circumstance, and specifically to Joseph and Pharaoh. And, uh, and so it says, when that year was ended, in verse 18, they came unto him the second year and said unto him, we will not hide it from my Lord, how that our money is spent, and my Lord also hath our herds of cattle. There is not aught left in the sight of my Lord. We have nothing but our bodies and our lands. That's it. And we got to eat or we're going to die. So that's what they say. We have, uh, he says, I'm sorry, by us. Wait, where did I leave off? I'm sorry, verse 19. Wherefore shall we die before thine eyes, both we and our land? Why should we die? So what we need you to do is to buy us and buy our land, and uh, we'll be servants unto Pharaoh. And give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land be not desolate. So their, their negotiation in this was this. We'll sell ourselves and our land to you. And in return, you give us the seed that you have, and then we'll go and plant crops, and then we'll have food. We can, we can have that. Joseph says, okay, that's, that's, not, that's a good idea. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. The Egyptians sold every man his field because the famine prevailed over them. So the land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people, he removed them from cities to, from one end of the borders of Egypt even to the other end thereof. Only the land of the priests bought he not, for the priests had a portion assigned to them from Pharaoh and did eat their portion which Pharaoh gave them. Wherefore, they sold not their land. So the priests, they were exempt. They had a priestly exemption. Uh, so Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have brought, bought you this day and your land for Pharaoh. Lo, here is seed for you, and you shall sow in the land, and it shall come to pass that in the increase. So when your crops spring up and you have food, this is the deal, that you'll give a fifth part unto Pharaoh. And for your food, I'm sorry, and four parts shall be your own for the seed of the field and for your food and for them of your households and for food for your little ones. And they said, you've saved our lives. Let us find grace in the sight of my Lord and we will be Pharaoh's servants. Joseph made it law over the land of Egypt to this day that Pharaoh should have a fifth part except the land of the priests only, which became not Pharaoh's. So again, I don't know what this would be like. But you just saw what happened. The people just sold themselves over to their king. They gave over their lands. They gave over their lives. And now they are indebted to him for the rest of their lives. It became a law. They have to pay Pharaoh a fifth part of every crop they would ever have from this point forward. So they were indebted. Sounds like taxes, right? That's what was happening. So uh, you can blame Joseph. That's where taxes came from. No. Uh, but this is, this is what was going on in their land. And, and I think that we could see many different uh, points, life points we could bring out from this. Uh, one of the life points is that we will all have trials in this life. Uh, we could talk about that. Things get difficult. Times get tough. We could talk about that. We could talk about uh, the physical and spiritual famines and finding substance only in God and in God's ways through uh, God's means. And so uh, we talk about that. We could also talk about how 
Uh, God is a provider. We've talked about that last week, talked about it before. We could go on and on and on about different life points throughout this, but I believe that there's something uh, very valuable, uh, very important uh, that we see specifically in Joseph's life um, for us this morning. And so if you have your notes there, uh, you can jot this down, and it is this. The life point is God gives wisdom to those who seek it. And uh, we could say it even further, even in the most desperate of times. God gives wisdom to those who seek it. Um, there are times that our lives may look a little bit like the Egyptians, right? Uh, where we say, uh, what are we going to do now? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but uh, I look around the room and I, I know there's circumstances. Uh, and I, I, I've been through circumstances. We've been through circumstances in our life where we've asked that question. You know, what are we going to do now? Where do we go from here? Or even making a, a, a more of a, 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 a may, maybe a hopeless statement. I don't know what to do. I don't know what decision to make. I, I, I don't know what we're supposed to do. And, um, you know, I, I, I can stand here and be honest with you and say that there have been times in the course of life and specifically in, in 20 years of ministry uh, that I have uh, witnessed and also experienced uh, extreme pressure. And again, for us, uh, in experiencing some extreme pressure throughout ministry has also included some financial uh, stresses uh, to where uh, I remember at one point in time uh, having a phone conversation with Rochelle. She was at work and I was here and uh, there was just a lot of stress and a lot of financial strain and uh, we just didn't know what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. And I, I remember saying, uh, well, I'll just go um, stock at night. The night stalker, right? Remember that? <laughs> and she goes, well, you can't do that. And I said, why not? She said, well, you got to sleep sometime. And I said, no, I don't. <laughs> she goes, yes, that's crazy. Don't be ridiculous. And so wisdom won out there. Um, but God gave wisdom through her. But uh, it, it was that, that, that moment where you're like, I don't, I don't know what else. To do. I have any other answers. This is the only solution that I have. And uh, God was growing. God was proving. God was testing. God was doing different things in our life. And, um, and the reality is you can't go without sleep, you know, of course. But um, God, God was teaching us through that time. And again, I've seen it time and time again. Over the course of 20 years of ministry, desperate times that people have gone through and are going through. Um, and I've witnessed and I have made both foolish decisions and wise decisions. I've seen people say after they've made some foolish decisions, I don't know why we did that. I don't know why I said that. I don't know why I did that. Maybe years later, we shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done that. I regret doing this. And, and there have been times that I've heard people say, praise God. That we, we, we waited and we did this and we did that and, and, and God, God worked it out. But I'll share this this morning and, and it's there in your notes and I really want you to look at very closely at this, this little side note uh, because it's, I believe it's so true that most of the time foolish decisions happen because people aren't patient enough to wait on God's wisdom. Most of the time, not every time, sometimes... Um, it's just reactionary, which is also foolish and not waiting on God's wisdom uh, because we get emotional, right? Something happens to us and we get, a, we get emotional, just like me. I'll just get a stocking job. That'll fix the problem, you know? And so we, we, we go into this, I'll find the solution. I've got the answers. Uh, I'm going off of my feelings. This seems right to me. And many times we do that and again, make those foolish decisions because we're not patient enough 
to wait on God. We rush and we rush and, and, and many times try to rush God. I don't know if you've ever been guilty of that, but I've been guilty of that. Uh, there have been things that, that have happened uh, both in life and in ministry to where I, I've said, you know, God, let me do this. God, this is right. Let me, and, and, and not had peace. Not, there are things now that I, that I wish, you know, I wish I could just have that conversation. I wish I could just do this or I wish I could do that. And, and God's like, no, you can't. Like, why? It needs to be righted. They need to know this is wrong. You know, this, this person. And, and so, again, there have been times that uh, I've tried to rush God. Maybe you've been the same. So this morning, if, if you're at a place where you're really desperate for God to give you an answer, or give you direction, or God to show up and, and give you some wisdom in some area, and, and you don't have it, I, I encourage you this morning, don't rush God. Keep waiting on him. Keep waiting on his, it's not worth rushing and operating in a foolish way or making a foolish decision. Just wait on God and allow him to bring the wisdom. The reason why that's so important is that next note there in your notes is this. Many times growth happens through waiting for God's wisdom. I can't explain it and God knows way better than us, but every single time that I've had to be patient and wait on God's wisdom and for God to open that door and for me to, to, to operate in a way that I can have absolute confidence that it's God's wisdom because it's based off of God's word, every time I've been like, wait, that was way better. Wow, way better. Look back and say, and God grew me in that time. There's, there's some areas that God was, was growing me. And again, the Bible tells us in Isaiah that they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And so it's a, it's a matter of saying, you know what? God's ways are better. He's got a better way. I live in a world where it says, you're losing time. You better hurry up and, and, and do this. You better hurry up and do that. You're, you, know, you, you, don't only, you only have so much time to do this. You're only, uh, you only have this. You only have that. And, and so we begin to think like that. But God is in eternity. And time is, is something that he created. And he works from eternity into time. And so when we are like, well, well God, you got to hurry up and do this, it's kind of like telling uh, the, the, the artist, well, you should have painted it like this, you know? But it's his masterpiece. He's the one that painted it. If you want to paint, go paint your own. But it's his painting, you know? Oftentimes we, we get in this, this, this idea that God's wisdom is not worth waiting for. And so I don't think that, but we, 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 we say that in the way that we live sometimes. In rushing God, in James chapter 1, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. You're going to fall into temptations. You're going to fall into trials. You're going to go through difficult times. And what he says is you need to count it joy when you do. When you face those times where you say, you know, I don't know what to do. I, I don't, what are we going to do? The Bible says count it joy. You say, why? Those are miserable times. When we don't have answers, we don't know what to do. We feel like it's over. We feel like it's the end. We feel like that uh, it's, it can't get any worse. Those are miserable times. How can we count it joy? He says, because you know this, that it's trying your faith. And trying your faith works patience. And that's important because patience, when, her, when she is complete, gives you everything you need, basically. You'll be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Right? lacking no answers, like lacking nothing in your life, lacking nothing in your faith. And so if you're able to count it joy in the trial, then you know that God is able to do something through that that only God can do. 
And he's doing this completing work in your life. And if it happens to be wisdom that you need, you say, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know the answer. I don't know the decision. If it's wisdom, he says it. He addresses it. If any of you lack wisdom, then let him ask of God. That give to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. So again, ask God. Ask God. Don't ask your coworker. I'm not saying that you can't ask for counsel. Don't, don't ask your, your, your best friend who you think is going to probably agree with you. Don't ask. Look, ask God if you need wisdom. This is not to say that you, you shouldn't seek godly counsel from that, that, that Christian brother or sister, from that, that ministry leader, from that pastor, from that deacon. Absolutely. But as it always is true, godly counsel comes from God's word. Always comes from God's word. So if somebody tells you something and you can't, you can't find that in scripture, even if it sounds really spiritual and it sounds really good, don't listen to it. Even if I tell you, Something said, well, that sounds really reasonable, and he's a pastor. Now, don't listen to me if it's not, from base, uh, it's not rooted in God's word. Because that's where wisdom comes from. Everything you do, every counsel you get, everything that is told to you, you should filter it with prayer and the word of God. Everything. And so that way, it's, it's confirmation when you say, I, I really feel like that we should be doing this. I really feel like that I should do this, or I should stop doing this. I, I, but I'm not sure. I'm, I'm going to go ask Brother, Brother, Brother Turner. I'm going to go ask Brother Mike. I'm going to go ask Brother Jeff. I'm going to go ask Brother uh, you know, J- Justin or whoever. I, I'm going I'm to ask them, see what they think. And they say, you know what? You know, if I was you, I would just do that. And you're like, okay. Uh, I, okay. Well, I, I'm kind of surprised. But you can't find any foundation in God's word? You better not listen to that counsel. It better be rooted in the word of God. Bible promises that if you lack wisdom, you can ask God and he'll give it to you however much you need and he won't chastise you for it. He won't come back to you and say, didn't you ask for me for wisdom yesterday? He's, he, God's not going to come back to you and say, how dumb are you? <laughs> He's not going to come back and say, you have reached your limit of asking for wisdom in your life. There's, there's no point in time that God chastises or corrects us when we are lacking wisdom he simply says if you lack it then ask for it and he'll give it to you but the interesting thing is this is there's no time limit on it right see i really need god to answer me now though because i got to make a decision tomorrow you better make sure that you operate in god's wisdom but that's not how this world works that's how god works though you're a child of god and say, yeah, so if I don't make this decision, then I lose this and I lose that. I'm not trying to tell you anything other than simply to ask God for wisdom and wait until he gets it, gives it to you. But if you ask him, it says, don't, don't do anything but ask him in faith. Don't, don't question, don't doubt. Ask him for wisdom, knowing that he's going to give it to you. Because he that wavereth, verse 6, is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. That man shouldn't think he's going to receive anything from God. If you, if you ask God for something, but you don't trust that he'll give it to you, don't expect him to give it to you. Because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Again, the reason why this is so important for us today, as we look back at Joseph's life, Joseph was using wisdom that God clearly gave him. It's been apparent all throughout our study, when we've been looking at Joseph's life, that he's just a basic person. 
He's, a, he's somebody who God gave favor to. He's somebody who feared God. He's somebody, again, he was a shepherd boy from a shepherd family. He wasn't from a group of intellectuals. He didn't have this great degree. He, again, he, we are told nothing other than he was a young man when he was sold into slavery. He went to be a servant in Potiphar's house. He got accused of a, of a crime, got thrown into prison, stayed in prison, was forgotten in prison, gets out because of a dream that God revealed to him. And then he began, began to be the governor over all of Egypt. And God allowed him to reign. God allowed him to govern. God allowed him this administration, even through this dire circumstance, because of where Joseph's heart was, because Joseph was operating God's wisdom. We see that back, if you were here, we went through Genesis chapter 41, verse 39. Pharaoh pointed that out. He very clearly saw that God had shown him all this. And there was no, none so discerning and wise as Joseph was. It was apparent. He was operating in God's wisdom. So Joseph couldn't have administrated this. Think about this. I, I don't know about you, but you think about America. We go through some tough times. We're going through some tough times now. Uh, there's, some, there's some difficulties that we're facing. I believe mo uh, morally, culturally, uh, there's some, some, a lot of difficulties going on in, in our nation. Uh, and to think that one person could administrate the whole thing and it be a success? Oh, man, that's God's hand on Joseph. There's no way Joseph could have done this. There's no way he had the education, that he had the, you know, all these skills. It was because of his skills. No, it was God's hand on him. It was God's wisdom that he had given him. And that's the truth for all of us today. There's no one in here, none of us can handle rightly great trials without God's wisdom. You're going to go through them, and if you try to handle them without God's wisdom, you're going to make a mess of them. And I can stand here today and say, it's happened to me. And I think that all of us who've been Christians for any amount of time could say, it's happened to me. We've gone through trials and, man, made a mess of it. Just because I didn't operate in God's wisdom, or I was impatient, or I listened to somebody who didn't give me God's wisdom. We need to remember this life point this morning. God gives wisdom, and he gives it when we need it, he gives it when he knows we need it, but you got to seek it. You're you facing something today that you're like, I mean, I, I need to really know what to do here, or I don't know what to do here. Seek God for wisdom. Seek him. Joseph, again, had wisdom because he reverenced God. He respected God. It was very clear that Joseph didn't want to break or offend God from turning away from the, the, the enticements of Potiphar's wife to uh, being a man of his word and, and, and being a man of integrity and, and, and honoring God and giving God glory in his life. It was clear that Joseph, again, reverenced and respected God. And this morning, it's so important to, for us to understand that's where it comes from. If you want wisdom, if you want to operate in God's wisdom, if you want to live your life by a way that you say, you know what, I, I feel confident that I have God's wisdom and I'm living in that, where it starts is reverencing God. Living a life, having your heart, your mind, your life postured to where you say, you know what, God, you are my God. And I trust you and I reverence you and I respect you because you are good and you're right and all your ways are good. That's what the Bible says. It says in Psalms chapter 111, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Again, it reiterates it almost exactly in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom. Very clearly, if you want wisdom, you've got to get it from God. The Bible says that wisdom comes from above, is pure and, and, and truthful, but it says that wisdom comes from God in Proverbs chapter 2. 
The sad reality is that the world system we live in has been trying to push God out ever since sin has been in the world, right? The world system is, especially today, we, we can see it because we're living in it, it's trying to push God out of every part of, of, of life on this world, in this earth. I think it's happening at a rapid pace, too. So you see a bunch of people trying to figure out sometimes catastrophic problems with man's wisdom. I think that's what we see in our world today. Whether it's political problems, what ends up happening? Well, we just need to do this. We need to change this policy. We need to do policies. Again, man trying to figure it out in his own wisdom. Social problems, same thing. Well, we just need to have this program, or we need to take this away, or we need to do this, or whatever there. And again, I, I think about what we're dealing with even in recent history in our own state with, with, with dilemmas and, and, and the gun violence that's going on. People's answers are, well, this is what we need to change. This, we need to get rid of these things. And again, the tools aren't the problem. Whether it's a stone, a knife, a gun, a plane, a bomb, those aren't the problem. The problem is seen back in the very beginning with Cain and Abel. It was Cain's heart that was the problem. Cain had hatred in his heart towards his brother. That's why he murdered him. The problem today with the junk that we see in our world, because again, take the airplanes out of the sky if that's you know, take backpacks away, take cars away. They're using those all all in the Middle East, loading them up and driving them into in, in places. The problem is man's heart. People are so desolate of moral truth and and, and moral absolutes today. And I'm not trying to petition for anything. I'm just simply saying that's the problem. That's always been the problem. You can tell a child that something's wrong only so long before they begin to ask why. But don't, don't hit. Don't hit. Why? Don't hit. Because I said so. Don't hit. Why? Because it's not right. Why? Where is the foundation? Where, where, where do you get that, 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 uh, that strength from? Where do you get the foundation of, of that moral absolute that it's wrong to hit another person? Where do you get that it's wrong? That it's, uh, where do you get the foundation that it's wrong to go and kill somebody? Well, I don't, I don't think it's that wrong. Nobody's ever told me why it's wrong. They just said it was wrong. Again, in, in, in the public arena that we live in today, it, God's been stripped out of it, kicked out of it. Moral absolutes, no, you, there, there's no such thing. It's, it's relative to your circumstance. It's, it's, it's relative to how you feel. We kicked God out of the public square, kicked him out of the institutions. Man, colleges, whew. Again, public uh, education today, again, we, we wonder why there, there's a problem in, in our world is, is We've said, God, you don't have a place here. And then generations raise, they, they, they go through this school system, they go through the institution system in college, they get in the, in the public arena and all the media, and everybody's telling them that there's no need of God. God's the problem. So man tries to fix it in his own wisdom. 
Man tries to do things and, and, and right wrongs and deal with problems and, and go through issues in their own wisdom. But when you measure man's wisdom next to God's wisdom, it's very clear. 1 Corinthians tells us this in chapter uh, 1, verse 25. It says, the foolishness of God is wiser than men, if there was anything such as, as the foolishness of God. And the weakness of God is stronger than men, if there was anything like the weakness of God. But just in comparison, there is no comparison. God's wisdom is the only wisdom. God's strength is the only true strength. Notice that in this huge mess, this dire time, this famine, that this lowly shepherd boy was administrating this whole thing. And it was successful for him in Pharaoh's kingdom. Think about that. Man, we got politicians in our country today that can't figure out the problems, right? Man, one person, though, administrating this whole thing. Ruler over Egypt for Pharaoh. Think about this. As everything and everyone else was decreasing, everything and everybody, we don't have money, we've sold everything, we've given you our lives, we've given you our land, everybody. As everybody was decreasing, Joseph, God's people, and Pharaoh, they were increasing. It's interesting, right? It's interesting that God would use and God would give and God would do like this for a foreign king, a pagan ruler. And, and, and it makes me ask the question, why? Why would God do that? Why would God use one of his people to be a, a blessing to a foreign king, to a foreign god? I mean, a foreign ruler. I'm going to see more of that in, in the next message, the, the answer to that question, why. But I think one of the things that we can very clearly say is that if you're, if you're trying to live in this life as a child of God and operate without God's wisdom, there's going to be many times that those doors are closed and you don't know why. Now why? Why is God not... Why is this happening? Why is this door closed? Why are we dealing with this? Why is this a problem? Why is this happening? And not have God's wisdom, it may be because you're trying to operate without his wisdom. Or maybe you're trying to get ahead of God and you're trying to make things happen without his wisdom being poured out in your life. If you're at that place and you're dealing with something in your life this morning, trying to face a decision, trying to figure out why, Maybe you're looking at a hurdle. Maybe you're struggling with what, what's in front of you. Where do we go? What do we do? Going through a tough spot. Going through a difficult situation. I, I just, uh, I, I'm, I don't know. Have you sought God's wisdom? And you say, yeah, I have. That's the problem, Brother Kyle. I, I've asked God for wisdom. And I've asked him for wisdom. And I've asked him for wisdom. How long have you asked him for wisdom? These, these people were dealing with things for years. Joseph was administrating God's wisdom for years. He said, I don't like to hear that because I want it done today. You know, I want the answer today. I want the wisdom today. Again, that's the way that we operate. But God may be trying to teach you and grow you and form you and shape you and mold you. And not only all of that, but prepare you. For when he does give you the wisdom, to rightly handle the wisdom. Right? Do we ever think about that sometimes? 
That in the process of waiting on God's wisdom, in the trial, in the testing, in the growing, as our faith is being grown, as, as we're still searching for answers, we're trying to be faithful to God, and, and, and we're seeking His wisdom. And, and as He's growing us, He's also preparing us for when He does hand us that wisdom that we need, we're at a place to rightly handle that wisdom. So, oh, I see now, God. Now I know I, I should do this, even if it costs me this. Whereas maybe if we got the wisdom before and we weren't in, a, in, in the place that he wanted, wanted us to be, we'd say, oh, no, I don't, I'm not going to give up that. I'm going to still do this. And God reveals that wisdom and gives it to us. Again, not ready to handle it. And so maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're taking matters into your own hands. Maybe you said, you know what, I, I, I'm just going to do this and just hope and pray that God blesses it. You have a choice this morning. Maybe say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to try to make things happen. I'm going to do what God has entrusted me to do, and, and I'm going to seek his wisdom for things I don't know and seek his wisdom. I'm going to fear him. I, I want to operate in that. Because, again, we see two groups. We see one group that was absolutely desolate and decreasing and in debt. And we see another group that God was blessing and using. And so I think there's two different ways you can handle things you face in this life, in your wisdom or in God's wisdom. One is a path to success. And when I say success, I'm not just talking about money and stuff. I'm talking about spiritual success. I'm talking about success in God's sight because sometimes success in God's sight looks like singing praises to God at midnight in the middle of a prison like we recently saw. That's success because somebody gets saved through that trial. So I'm not talking about success as far as stuff or things or success in God's sight. So this morning, what are you choosing? Are you choosing God's wisdom or your wisdom? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Lord, we ask you to just continue to move now as we respond to your word. Lord, I know I've already talked to you about this. Lord, I, I don't want to operate in my wisdom. And that's sometimes so hard, God, because uh, it just feels right to the flesh. It seems right in, in, in the fleshly mind. But again, it just falls short and it fails every time man's wisdom, my wisdom does. And so, God, I, I want your wisdom. Help us all desire and seek and ask for your wisdom every day of our life for everything we face. God, may we be a people that's defined by uh, operating in wisdom, just as we see with Joseph, in a foreign land, being blessed and used by you because he was operating in your wisdom. Lord, let that be the testimony of our lives that brings glory to you. I ask you to just move now in Jesus' name.